John 14, start with verse 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? So Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Now, these words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Amen. God bless this reading of His Word. Well, when Julie and I got married, um, I found out that she had a different set of expectations than I did about um, when something goes wrong in the house or with anything that you own. Um, you know, I had the expectation that you then replace it or hire someone to fix it. And she grew up in a world where her dad could fix anything and you never called anyone to fix something, you just fixed it. And so that was interesting at first. I felt a lot of pressure. <laughs> and, and then at some point in our marriage, we were saved by YouTube. <laughs> because I discovered that on YouTube, I could find people who knew how to fix it and they would take a camera and show me how to fix it. 
Like they would literally point the camera and say, take out this screw, you know. So like, I don't know who these people are or why they have time to do this. But now what really makes me mad is when I'm like working on my car and they've got like their five-year-old daughter out there taking out the alternator and I can't even get my alternator to budge. <laughs> how, does, how does this work? Anyway, don't you ever wish that there was like a spiritual YouTube? Like, I know that there's people who talk about spirituality on YouTube, but I mean like, you know, point the camera and say, okay, do this, <laughs> you know, take out this screw, you know, this is what's holding you up, um, you know, change this, you need some help in this, you need to replace this part of your, you know, washing machine of your life or whatever, you know, that there could just be this spiritual YouTube that would come along and then all of us could be DIYers in our spiritual life, you know, we could, we could get stuff done with the help of this whoever. I just want to suggest today that there is a whoever out there. That the YouTube video doesn't appear on a screen because he's spirit. And, and spirit can't appear on the screen. I mean, maybe he could if he wanted to. I don't know. But it's not something physical or tangible. It's not uh, a type of person that we're used to dealing with. And yet, help is available available that we often fail to take advantage of, fail to even acknowledge his presence or reality in our life. But before Jesus left his disciples, he wanted them to know that he would send help. And, and that's what we're reading about today. We've been in this series, Before I Go, kind of Jesus' last words to his disciples as he turned his attention to the cross, some things that they needed to know before he went. Uh, it, remi- it reminds me of so many circumstances from our own lives where we kind of have this same feeling, like there's some things I need to tell you before I go, or before you go, right? Either one. Uh, lately, Hadley's been trying out soccer, and when I get to a soccer game... Or soccer practice. I'm gonna, I know I'm going to have to send her out there where she's kind of beyond earshot. And, and so I can't just instruct her play by play on what she needs to be doing. And so I have to try and, you know, before you go out there, let's remember. <laughs> Alright. We pay attention to the ball. <laughs> Doesn't really help, but we still, <laughs> we're trying. Because I know that at some point the coach is going to put her in a corner of the field that I can't yell and scream loud enough over the din of soccer noise for her to hear my voice. And I just feel like Jesus kind of had this sense before he left that they're about to go through, especially this short season, where they just don't have me at all. And a long season where they no longer have my physical presence they're accustomed to. And I'm not sure they know how to play the game really well yet. There's a few things they need to know. Jesus says in this passage we read today, if you love me, keep my commands. This sort of thing keeps coming up. If you love me, keep my commands. And we spoke a few weeks ago about Jesus' central command This is my command, he said, that you love one another as I have loved you. And so we were instructed this 
command that, man, it's so simple. I mean, you can say it in one sentence like that, and yet so difficult when you look at the way that Jesus has loved us. And to think that we are then called to love one another in the same way as he loved us. It's daunting. It's overwhelming. And so Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. It's almost as if Jesus is saying, you know, I've talked to you about what I expect of you and I recognize that you'll need help. Right? I mean, right after he says, if you love me, keep my commands. And they're probably like, we love you, but your commands are kind of intense. And Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will send help. If you love me, keep my commands and I'll I'll ask the Father and he'll send help. So, you know, we're supposed to do our best to keep his commands. And he promises to send help. And who is this help? Where does it come from? It comes from his Holy Spirit, he says. This Spirit whom he'll send. And Jesus says, I'll not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And it, it reminds us of this sense that Jesus must have had, right? Of what he must have been feeling emotionally as he prepared to leave these young men and the young women who were in his group of, larger group of disciples as well. These young ones that he had been pouring into for a few years now, and, and now he's about to leave them, and leave this entire mission project in their hands, in their completely unprepared hands, in their too young hands, in their too immature hands. They were kids. I don't know if I've mentioned that to you before, but our best guess, the, the historians that have looked at it and, and just taken the context clues because nowhere in there does it say and Peter was this age and this but our best guess is that Peter was probably the oldest and he was probably somewhere in the 18 to 21 range like college age think about that they guess that John was probably the youngest and when they started out the kid may have been just like 10 or something This age range, these teenagers, mostly. And Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. My spirit will help you with what you have before you. He says, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Jesus told a parable once about a father that had two sons. And he told one of the sons, or he told both of the sons, go and do this thing, whatever, you know, like a chore. Go pick up the sticks in the yard. And the first son said, sure, dad. And he headed outside. And then we don't know what happened to him, but he didn't pick up sticks. He got distracted. Maybe he was a bird watcher. And then the next son comes along, and he's like, no thanks, Dad. But then after a little bit, he's like, eh, maybe I will. So he goes outside, and he picks up the sticks. 
Jesus says, which one of these did their father's will? God places a high priority on action. On being doers and not just hearers. Doers and not just talkers. And he says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Back to the Holy Spirit again. One of Jesus' disciples uh, named Judas, not the Judas Iscariot, but another one. They didn't get super creative with names back then, but look, we're not much better. <laughs> I mean, some of you are better, but not all of you. Some of you just went on Baby Center and said, what's the top name? We're going with that one. <laughs> not really. Just anyway, Judas said, so is this how you're going to show yourself to the world then? Or, or why won't you just show yourself to the world? Like, why are you just going to show yourself to the ones who keep your commands? Like, isn't this a global project? Isn't this a, like, kingdom project? Aren't we expecting to take over the world here? And, and Jesus basically says, look, anyone, he says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching, and my Father will love them, and we'll come to them and make our home with them. But he also said, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words are not my own, they belong to the Father who sent me. So, essentially, in a nutshell, the question is, basically, well, Jesus, why are you only sending your Spirit to us? Why are you only showing up to us? Why aren't you revealing yourself to everyone? And Jesus says, well, anyone's welcome. But the people who don't love me aren't going to do my commands. They're not going to want to live this life. And I won't be showing myself to them. This is the way the Father has laid it out. But anyone who does, whoever, anyone is welcome. Anyone is welcome to keep my commands. Anyone is welcome to love me. And I will come to them. I won't leave you as orphans. I'll give you help to do what seems impossible. All this I have spoken with you while I'm still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Like even just these few uh, chapters that we've been looking at in this series must have been overwhelming to the disciples, right? Like, I don't think they had pen and paper even, much less an iPad or a voice recorder, right? The, Jesus is like, before I go, you should know this, and this, and this, and this, and this. And don't forget the milk. And, and it had to be overwhelming. And so Jesus says, look, you're going to have help. The Holy Spirit will teach you everything you need to know and remind you of the things that I've been telling you that you're forgetting already. You're going to have help. It's important for us to realize that we need help. If we're going to live this life, we need help. If they needed help, we need help. The Holy Spirit is what makes the impossible life possible. 
the Holy Spirit makes the impossible life possible. This is essentially the primary difference between Christianity and especially Judaism, but really any other religion. It's the Holy Spirit. Thanks to Jesus' death and resurrection, we have the power of the Holy Spirit available to make the impossible life possible. We live by the Spirit, not by the law. In the Jewish uh, community of faith, and in Islam for that matter, it's the law. And you live by the law. And you have this overwhelming pressure on your life to live by the law. At least if you take the law seriously, you do. That's the way that you are made right with God. is by living up to the law. And the frustrations of that are well documented, well experienced. Most of you have probably experienced trying to live up to the law in your own power. And how did that go for you? And how did that feel? Did it lead to a sense of freedom and boldness in your faith? A vibrance and a peace that passes understanding? Or did it lead to anxiety and to pressure and to guilt and to frustration? But we live by the Spirit who makes the impossible life possible. How does the Holy Spirit help us? I think it's a little bit like, uh, like we help our kids. Hopefully. You know, if you're, you know, your kids or your grandkids, when they come over and they're trying to do something that's kind of above their pay grade, you know, uh, a little bit above their skill level, then they require some help. But you don't want to just do it for them or they don't learn anything, right? It's kind of like sometimes I'm carrying something heavy and one of the kids wants to help me carry it. And, you know, they have like zero muscle <laughs> at this stage. But I want them to have muscle. And so, uh, you know, if they want to carry something, then what I have to try and figure out how to do, whatever the thing is, is how to carry as little of the weight as possible. Like I have to figure out how much can they handle without crushing them. I don't want to crush them. The wife will be mad. So... But I want it to be hard enough that it's a challenge for them, right? Like they're wanting to help. And so you have to figure that out, right? And it's kind of a, let's see how this goes. Yeah, it looks like that's not good. So let me lift a little more. Um, sometimes we get frustrated with the Holy Spirit. We're like, where are you? I'm doing all the lifting here. Are you? Are you? Are you doing all the lifting, or is he lifting half of it, and you just think you're lifting all of it? Uh, the Holy Spirit operates a little bit like a good parent in that the goal is to constantly be giving you as much as you can possibly handle. And it'll feel like more than you can handle. It'll look like more than you can handle. Because he's going to help you with the part you can't handle. This is... The Holy Spirit makes the impossible life possible. If you want to find out how this works, read the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament. How does God help people? It's always a little different from case to case. But they're always having to do something. But he's always the one bringing the power that's needed to make it work. 
Oftentimes they're frustrated. They can't see where he's headed with it. You ever wonder, like I wonder how the Israelites felt while they were marching around Jericho. They probably felt like idiots. We are marching around again. <laughs> this is embarrassing. <laughs> Do we have a plan here? Like are we going to build ladders and go over the wall? or Like what are we doing marching and playing our trumpets? <laughs> it's probably a pretty bizarre scene. This is how it works. And yet the Holy Spirit makes the impossible possible. So what do we do? I want to talk to you just as practically as I can for a minute about our relationship to the Holy Spirit. And based on what Jesus said in the passage we studied just now, the first question I need to ask you is, do you love him? Because he's not going to send his Holy Spirit to you if you don't love him. He's already made that clear. You don't need his Holy Spirit if you don't love him. Do you love him? And if you love him, are you trying to keep his commands? Are you? Because if you're not trying to keep his commands, then why do you need his Holy Spirit? Just to help you have a better day? Sometimes that's all we want from him. But his Holy Spirit is available to help you live this impossible life. To live out his commands. So are you trying to live out his commands? Because otherwise you have no need for an advocate. For a helper. So do you love him? Do you keep his commands? And if you love him, you will keep his commands. And if you keep his commands, you will be one who loves him. And the Father loves you. And he's not going to leave you alone. He's not going to leave you as orphans. He's going to provide help to you. If you answer yes, yes you love him, yes you're trying, albeit imperfectly, to keep his commands, but you're not receiving the help or experiencing the help or sensing the help that you would like to be sensing and experiencing. Let me ask you a couple more questions. From my personal experience, I have to ask you, are you even asking for help? Or acting like you want help? A lot of times I get so frustrated that I'm unable to overcome whatever attitude keeps cropping up in my spirit or whatever thing that I know is not Christ-like and yet I keep dealing with it and I pretty soon feel like I'm banging my head against the wall and at some point I'm like, you know, I haven't even asked God for help. <laughs> I, I'm trying to fix it. I'm the, you know, I'm looking for YouTube videos when I should be calling the Holy Spirit up. I, are you asking for help? Are you looking for help? Or are you determined to figure this thing out on your own? Do you recognize your need? And the second thing I guess I'd ask you is, are you available? If the Holy Spirit did come calling to help, would you even be able to hear him? Sometimes I fear that the Holy Spirit gets busy signals from us all the time. Really young people in the room, a busy signal is where you're used to. 
when you'd call a phone, it would go beep, 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 which meant you could not get through. <laughs> it doesn't happen much anymore, but believe it or not, you used to couldn't just leave a voicemail. It was just busy. At the risk of stating the obvious, we have to hang up the phone if we want to take another call. At some point, you got to put down the distractions if you want to hear from God. If you want help from the Holy Spirit, at some point, you got to show up and be available. Here I am, God, work on me. We don't make much time for God. And I thought about giving you this whole pitch about you've got time for what you want to have time for, right? Because that's true. We do have time for what we want to have time for. Uh, but I'm really not interested in trying to make you feel guilty today. And it's not that helpful. So, And honestly, I think most of us, we want we want to be available to God. We want His help. We do love Him. We're trying to keep His commands. One thing I wonder, though, is do we even recognize that we need to show up? Or have we just been taught our impression of how this thing works is that you, know, you sign up with Jesus, you pray a prayer, whatever, you go to church, and at some point He either does or doesn't just zap you with whatever Holy Spiritness you need. Right? Like it's either going to happen or it's not going to happen to some degree or another. Um, you just, you know, every Christian's supposed to have the Holy Spirit. It's just something that happens. Uh, and so you just, it's kind of up to God, right? There's not much we can do. Either He helps us or He doesn't help us. That's kind of the impression I think that I grew up with and got. Uh, maybe you've had that impression too. So, so this whole, you know, busy signal thing doesn't really make sense to us. We haven't been that worried about it because, like, what, what can we do to convince the Holy Spirit to show up anyway, right? So he's either going to zap us or not. It's probably not the best term. Zap. I don't... Anyway. <laughs> but that doesn't seem to be what any one of his disciples did. It doesn't seem to be the example that Jesus set for us. That if you just make your life as busy and hectic as possible and fill it with constant goings and doings, the, the Holy Spirit will just zap you with the power that you need as you need it, and you'll go along swimmingly. That's not the example we have. We have people waiting. Days and days and days Jesus went out in the wilderness for 40 days of fasting. He spent entire nights just alone because that's the only space he could find. Because finally everyone else fell asleep and he could be alone with his father. So that was the time that he would go and be alone. We have examples of the disciples after he left and they're waiting for the Holy Spirit. They're literally waiting in a room for the Holy Spirit. Just waiting and praying and waiting. We have examples of like Peter. He's waiting on lunch to be ready, so he takes advantage of the downtime and goes up on a roof to spend time alone in prayer. And that's when the Holy Spirit showed up 
in this vision to him, right? I don't know if you're familiar with that story, but he's on a rooftop by himself praying, and that's when the Holy Spirit talked to him. I wonder if the Holy Spirit would have lowered that thing out of, what is it, a blanket, something, out of heaven and spoken to Peter about that if Peter had been on his phone. Checking his email. Watching the latest YouTube video to fix his dryer, his dryer, right? Or his car. We stay so busy. We don't ever stop and say, God, help me. And then sit there waiting until he does. But that's what people did. They marched around walls umpteen times for days and days. This is what people did when they wanted help from God. So if you love him and you keep his commands, are you asking for help? And are you making yourself available to receive help? We need help. There's no question of that. Amen? To get it, we just need to show up sometimes. We need to show up. I read a verse this week. It just struck me. It said that Isaac went out one evening into the field. It's one of those random verses in the Old Testament that you're like, this has no purpose in my life. And then one day you read it and you're like, oh. And really, all it is, is it's just part of a story where they're telling how uh, Isaac ended up meeting his wife for the first time. And why he was, happened to be outside when he saw her coming. And so that's really the only purpose for this sentence in Scripture, you know, at least at first glance. But it says that Isaac was out in a field in the evening to meditate. Old Testament talks a lot about meditating on God's law, thinking things through thoroughly. and uh, So to find some quiet and some space in the evening after the work for the day was done and no one was working in the fields, the fields became a quiet place. And Isaac went out in the field to meditate. And I just thought, that was 4,000 years ago. 4,000 years ago. And Isaac understood something that we've forgotten. That sometimes you need to get out in the field by yourself and just think. Sometimes you just need to get out in a field by yourself and just pray. Be alone. Ask for help. Be quiet. Wait. when the Holy Spirit shows up and does his best work. It's when he comes and brings peace. Jesus said these words, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. One of the most popular words in the Bible. Do not be afraid. My peace 
I leave with you the Apostle Paul tells us that part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, part of what the Holy Spirit produces in our life is peace, along with love and joy and other things, but peace. And I think about what the disciples were about to go through and how anxious they must have already been at the way that Jesus was talking to them and what was coming down the pipe. How anxious they must have felt as Jesus was dragged out in chains from the garden to stand trial. And they fled. Peter denying Jesus and turning and weeping as he realized what he'd done. Locking themselves behind closed doors lest the guards come for them and crucify them too. The guilt and shame of not standing up with Jesus like they had promised they would. Do you think they had some anxiety in those days? Some fear? Some depression? Nowadays, they probably would have gone for some medication around that time, right? Jesus promised them help. I imagine they had some anxiety after Jesus ascended to heaven, too. Even after they knew he was resurrected, like, okay, you sure you can't stick around a little longer and lead this thing? I bet there were some dark times as they were locked in prison, beaten, executed. The Holy Spirit isn't promised to take away all our problems. But He is promised to give us peace. That's a good word. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know if you're dealing with fear. I imagine some of us are dealing with anxiety or depression. It's pretty common, especially in our culture today. It's pretty common. We have so much, and yet we struggle so much. There's a helper. Do you love him? Are you trying to keep his commands? Show up. Get out in your field, wherever that is. And wait for the helper to come. And bring you peace. Bring you the help that you need. Wait for him. Persist. Don't give up. Keep knocking. Don't let up. Jesus taught us to be persistent about this. Persistent in prayer. And that our Father who loves us will not deny us his Holy Spirit. So claim it by faith. Find a quiet space and wait for him to come. I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. If you feel like you're in darkness today, you don't have to remain there. Come to Jesus. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for not leaving us as orphans. 
We have a tremendous need to rely on you and a need to be more available to you. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, make us more aware of your presence and of your availability to us. Help us to do the impossible as we attempt it in your power and not our own strength. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.